And I want to talk to you in the second week, and I want you to think with me about the question, do you know who you're talking to? That when we pray, <clears throat> we really need to understand who it is that we're praying to. Uh, you know, every now and then, people, uh, people call me different things. Typically, like if people see me in a store, they'll, they'll say, hey, Pastor Steve, or, uh, you know, talk, refer to me as Pastor Steve a few times in uh, my professional life, I have been introduced as Reverend Williams, and every now and then I'll meet somebody and they'll say, well, hello, Reverend Williams. And I'm telling you guys, I've never been a reverend, okay? I mean, I know I am technically, but the moment somebody calls me Reverend Williams, I know they don't know me very well. And frankly, I'm fine with you calling me Pastor Steve. I'm fine with you calling me Steve. Just call me for dinner, okay? And uh, so uh, the, the fact is, is that how we refer to somebody tells us something about how close we are to them. You know, there's one person on this earth that refers to me as sweetie, sweetheart. And uh, there's some little grandkids running around that refer to me as papa. And you know, that's, a, that's really different. Now, what I love is that when Jesus teaches us how to pray... In fact, if you've got message notes, pull them out. Right at the top, there's what we call the Lord's Prayer. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm using the New King James uh, version that you see here because it's somewhat familiar. It's the, it's the Lord's Prayer we're, we're used to except without the vines and the thighs and the thous uh, in it. And you know, Luke's gospel actually tells us that one day Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray teach us to pray. And he said this. In fact, you know what? Um, I'm going to just invite you to just, let's read this aloud together and just say the Lord's Prayer. It's good for us to do in this 40 days of prayer. So in this manner, therefore, pray. Here we go. Let's read together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'll tell you what, what really motivates me to pray. And, and I will tell you of, of all the disciplines in my spiritual life, the one that I feel the least confident about is prayer. I don't pray as much as I should. I don't, I don't pray as intensely, probably, as, as I ought to pray. I don't pray as often as I should. I don't pray as long as I should. But here's what I've noticed is that virtually every Christian I've ever met tells me exactly that same thing. And it's because we have an idea that somehow in our praying that it's got to be elaborate or, you know, it's, it's got to be some some flowering, uh, you know, theologically accurate thing that we're saying to God every time that we're talking to him. And what I love about Jesus is that in 66 words here in the English translation, he says, here's how you pray. And he begins with this, with this word, Abba, Abba, our Father, and, you know, he gives us this beautiful, simple prayer. And Jesus is trying to tell us that, you know what, prayer is knowing who you're talking to. And it's just being direct 
and straightforward and conversational with him. And I will tell you that God loves it when we learn to pray. And some of us may feel like we're novices at it. And you may, you may share my feeling that, man, I just I feel awful about uh, not knowing how to pray better and not knowing how to pray exactly for the things that I should pray for and all those sorts of things. I want to tell you, God just loves to hear you pray. He loves to hear you pray. In fact, in the book of Proverbs chapter 15, it tells us that, that the prayer of the upright is God's delight. Now, I will tell you, there's some people that I delight in, and because I'm a grandparent, they're called my grandkids. I, I delight in some others too, but I really delight in my grandkids. And the other day, one of our newest grandchildren is a little, Kyle's little daughter, Blake. She's about three months old now, and the other day, just last Sunday, I was at their house, and she was, she was laying there smiling, just about like the picture that you're seeing right there. And uh, as I began to just talk to her, I could tell she began to make noises back at me and I could see her mouth moving. And man, I tell you what, I would have stayed there all day having her responding to me that way because I'm realizing she's just now learning how to make sounds. She's learning how to, to begin the rudimentary steps of doing language. But I love it because it's coming straight from her and from her heart to her papa's heart that she's just getting to know. And I wanna tell you, friends, if that's true on a human level, God says, I want you to know that when you talk to me, that I love hearing it. And I want you to pray. A.W. Tozer, at the very top of your notes, I put this quote, said this, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because it affects everything else in your life. And what he's saying here is your understanding of who God is is critical. Do you see God as an uninterested somebody on the other side of the cosmos or he's a, he's an angry vengeful God or he's someone who could really just care less about your life or or in fact uh, that that God is actually doing some things actively to try to get even with you. And I, I want to tell you that Jesus said that's not the kind of God that you're talking to. You're talking to a, a Papa, an Abba in heaven. And you see, what we think about God is critical to our prayer life. Because if if we don't understand who it is that we're talking to, then we really do see prayer as just a drudgery. It's a duty. It's a it's a discipline that has to get checked off the list in an already too busy life. But for Jesus, prayer was a delight. And he said, that's the way I want you to pray. But you have to understand who you're talking to. Now, when we talk about what is God like and who is God, well, there's a lot of things we could say about him. You know, he's, he's all-knowing. There's a theological word, he's omniscient. He's all powerful. The theological word is he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at one time. And there's so many things about God. He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. He's compassionate. He's forgiving. But for this message, I want to zero in on one particular quality scripture teaches us about our God. And it's his goodness. In fact, Psalm 100 verse 5 says this. The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Now his faithfulness means what you can depend on God to be, what he's consistently like. 
what he's reliable to be like. And what scripture is saying is that God faithfully and reliably is always kind and loving and he is always good. By the way, you know at the root of all sin and disobedience is the suspicion that God isn't good. But scripture declares he's good. Now, when we talk and think about prayer, what is it that God's goodness assures us about prayer? Because the more we understand God's goodness, I think the more we'll want to pray and delight in praying to him. What is it we can be assured of? Because God is good. Well, here's the first one, if you'll write it down, and that is his plans for my life are always good. God's plans for my life are always good plans. Now, I want to say that scripture teaches, it declares that God has plans for me. In fact, Jesus, when he said we're to pray, God, your will be done in my life and in the earth. He's saying, God, you have a plan for how you want life to go. And it's a good plan. Help me to follow. And what I want to say to you is that I want to say to you, first of all, the fact that God has plans for your life and they're good plans means that you're, you're not an accident, my friend. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth, you're not here by accident. Now, your parents may not have planned for you, but God planned for you. And that's why you're here. And God has a plan for your life that's good. In fact, notice what God says to his people, Israel, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11, 13, where God says, I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. Now, I'm just going to interrupt here for a moment because some people say, well, great, this is God's plan for Israel. That doesn't mean it's a plan for me, but you know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 15 that everything that was written in scripture was written for our teaching and to encourage us to put our hope in what is said there. And so God, my friend, is saying this not through Jeremiah just to Israel, you know, uh, 2,500 years ago. He's saying it to you. Will you allow his spirit to speak these things into your heart? I know what I've planned for you, good plans to give you a future and a hope. And then you're gonna call my name and you'll come to me and you'll pray to me. Now notice the connection here. That when we understand God's purposes and his plan, it motivates us to pray. And he says, and I'll listen to you and you'll search for me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, the fact is God has good plans for our life, but we can miss out on those plans. And it's prayer, which is how he says here, we realize those plans and they're revealed to us and they're actualized in our life because this is what prayer is all about. It's connecting our heart to the heart and the purposes and the plans of God for us. Look at this great verse out of Psalm 31. It says, God, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You do so much for those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. And I, I love what this is saying. God, in your goodness, notice again, he says, you have stored up blessings for those who honor you and you pour them out 
so people can see. Now, you know, the idea of being stored up, what does that mean? Well, it means that God intended to do something and he planned to do something that he set aside blessings and he's waiting for the opportunity to give them because God's plans for my life are always good. Now, you may be saying to me, yeah, but Steve, if God has a good plan for my life, somehow I'm missing out because not everything in my life that's happened thus far is good. And and that's right. And that's because you and I live in a broken world. This is why Jesus said, we're to pray, God, Well, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, it's only in heaven that our life is going to be perfect. It's going to be pain-free. And it's going to be comfortable forever. But God says, I want you to understand, though, that even in the midst of a broken, sinful, evil world where bad things can happen to you, God says, I want you to understand that doesn't throw off my plans for you. In fact, here's one of the most familiar verses in all the Bible. In light of this truth, look at what it says, Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now, doesn't mean here that God causes everything because there's a lot of evil that happens in the world. God is not the cause of that. But what it's saying is that God can take everything and he can cause even the bad things in our life to be able to be worked together for good when we're willing to follow his plans and live for him. You know, um, one of the best examples I can give this, I don't do much cooking, but I decided I I looked up on the internet a, 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 a recipe for baking a cake and Martha Stewart's recipe for baking a cake, uh, listen to this, two sticks of unsalted butter, one and three quarters cups of sugar, four large eggs and two large egg yolks, one tablespoon of baking powder, a half teaspoon of salt, and one and a half cups of buttermilk. Now, I I love cake, but I'll tell you what, if you were to take each and every one of those individual, have, have you ever tried to taste unsalted butter? Have you ever tried to, uh, to uh, taste baking powder? Or, uh, my goodness, you know, about the only ingredient here that would be tasty would be sugar, but to, <laughs> to eat almost two cups of it all at once would be gross. And buttermilk? But I'll tell you what happens. You work those together into something called batter, and batter makes all those things better. In fact, I like how one how one preacher puts it, that God wants to take the bitter things, put them in batter to make you better. And the cake that he's going to bake is you and your growth and your godliness. See, God does that because he's such a good God. And what God is saying is, you know what? Because of my power and my ability to have good plans for you, I can take even the evil, bad stuff, and I can bring good from that. I can even take your sins. And I found, I found a way, by my grace, by my goodness, to work them into something good in your life. Now, here's why. I, I want us to just stop for a minute, because we've talked about some really cool things about God. Could we just stop and have a worship moment? I've asked Kyle to... to uh, Lead us just in a, in a great song. Maybe you can sing it at home with him, but let's just focus just for a moment on the goodness of God and I'll come back and finish up on the message.
my story. And I bet that you can say the same thing. God 
is good and his plans for my life are always good. Now that's kind of the anchor. That's the pillar of prayer. Now there's four other truths I want to give you real quick. Let's, let's hit these. Number two, because God is good, he'll always give what I need, not what I deserve. See, this is what we need to understand about the goodness of God and the kindness of God is that he gives what we need, not what we deserve. I'm not, I'm not deserving. And most of us, that's one of the things that holds us back in praying is that somehow, well, I don't deserve to really ask God for, for much. But, but you see, God invites us to come and pray because of who he is, not because of who we are. And he says, he's always going to give us what, I, what we need not we, what we deserve. Psalm 103, 10 to 12 says this. He's not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back for our wrongs. You know, there's some of you right now that feel like maybe God is, you're going through difficulty in your life and you feel like you're, you're paying for that, that God's trying to get even with you, that somehow he's mad or he's angry or he's correcting you. And what he's saying is, I, I'm not treating you as you deserve. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how vast his mercy. God says, I want you to know that's my mercy for you. How high are the heavens above the earth? Man, like, like five to 10 miles, depending on where you are on, on this planet. I mean, that's where, that's where our atmosphere ends. And then when there's space beyond that, how vast is the mercy of God? As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our rebellious acts from himself. God says, I want you to understand that I've removed your sins and I, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. And so mad about you that I, I sent my son to give his life for you so that you could be forgiven because it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And God says, I want you to understand that I don't reject you. I want to receive you when you, when you've done wrong. The way people deal with us is just the opposite. Sometimes you do them wrong and, and they want to stand off or stay distant or reject you or push you away. And that plays into one of our deepest fears. And one of our deepest fears is the fear of rejection and abandonment. In fact, there's a famous book that was written uh, back in the 70s and it was called, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? And it talks about how people have learned to put up masks and be pretenders. And, and the gist of the book is, is because I see what I'm really like. And I'm afraid that if you saw me as I really am, you wouldn't want me. And here's the great thing about God. He sees you as you really are. And he loves you. And he wants you. And he wants you forever. In fact, Psalm 27 verses 10 and 13 King David said this, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Yet I'm confident, he says, that I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Isn't that a great truth? That even if those who, are, who I depend upon and, and hunger to have, receive and accept me the most, even if they were to reject me, the Lord, the Lord holds me close. Why? Because he's good. And because he gives us what we need, not what what we deserve. That's why Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Now that's another way of saying, let's pray. 
Let's come boldly to pray to our Father. And there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, when we're in need, God is waiting and wanting to answer our prayers. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance somehow with the words that we're assaulting heaven with. But rather prayer is taking hold of God's goodness and his willingness to involve himself in our life. Now here's a third truth, and this is an amazing truth to reflect on. And that is that God has put in his goodness, he's put my good above his own. And this almost, this is so amazing. It almost sounds like it's a heretical kind of a teaching. But it's, it's what the Bible declares, that God in his goodness has put my good above his own. This is the kind of father and son and Holy Spirit our God is. In fact, look how Jesus put this in John chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and my own sheep know me and I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. And I'll tell you what, it was necessary for him to sacrifice himself. He said, I must suffer and die as a ransom for many. And this is why the father loves me, he goes on to say, because I freely lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own free will. And 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 21 says that God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. For God took the sinless Christ and he poured into him our sins. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Do you, do you see that, that God says that your own need for goodness and your own need for forgiveness caused me to put your good ahead of my own? That's what Jesus could say. And this is the amazing truth of what the gospel is all about is that the king came from heaven and he died for the peasants. Now, that's what's so different about the Christian message. You know, if, if this was a fable made up, man, you always protect the king. You always protect the queen. But the gospel tells us that the king came and he laid down his life and he did it freely in love. And you, you've seen that. Some of you are parents, you have a sick child, you understand how you'll put aside your own needs to take care of theirs. If a child is little, you're gonna put up with not getting sleep that you need. Sometimes you'll have to skip meals. Sometimes you're gonna have to forego things you would like to have to take care of the needs of kids. And this is what our God has done for us and he's poured his goodness into our life. This is why the cross of Christ is the greatest symbol of the goodness of God. And Romans 8:31 says he that didn't hesitate to spare his own son but gave him up for us all, can we not trust? Now notice the connection here between God and his goodness and our prayers. Can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else? that we need. In other words, you know, if God was willing to do that and to give up his son for us, what could you ask him for that would be a bigger deal than him giving his son for you and me? You know, if somehow you were my neighbor and some situation came up that somehow I sacrificed my own son for your welfare 
And then, you know, a month later, you came over and said, oh, man, listen, hey, is it possible for me to, to borrow your ladder? I mean, you know, man, that'd be no big deal at all. You could ask me to borrow money. And I mean, if I'm willing to give my son for you, anything you could ask of me would be small potatoes. And I want to tell you that when we pray, God says, you come with your needs. Because I'm willing to put your good even above my own in my goodness. Now, number four, I've got to uh, quickly uh, point this out. And that is uh, that God is always wise with his yes to my wants. Because sometimes when we start hearing about prayer and we start thinking about what prayer is like and we hear Jesus say things like, ask whatever you want in my name and my father will give it. Well, the fact is we want a lot of stuff that sometimes our wanters will lead us astray. And that's why God says, now, I want to help you to understand that because you can trust me that I'm good. Even when you ask for stuff that's not good, I'm going to sort that out. And I'm still going to answer according to what my own heart knows that your heart really needs. God's always wise with his yes to my wants. Now, some of you with, who, who are parents of kids, you've seen this before. You go with your kid to the grocery store and before you leave, they're going to ask you for 50 things that they'd like for you to get. And you're going you're gonna to say no more than you're going to say yes. The other day, my grandson Hudson, who's uh, almost five now, we were getting ready for dinner. I mean, we were about five minutes from sitting down and he says, hey, Papa, uh, he said, hey, could, could we have an appetizer? And he said, you know, an appetizer is, it's like a snack that we get to have before we eat dinner. And I had to laugh. It's like, well, thanks for explaining to me. I think I, I think I understand what an appetizer is, but no, I don't think we're going to have a snack. We're getting ready to eat right now. And, uh, and I got to say no, but I want to tell you, I love saying yes to him as often as I can. But sometimes I don't say yes because I know it's not wise to do it. Matthew 7, Jesus said this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. By the way, I always love this. If you'll circle the first letter of ask and the first letter of seek and the first letter of knock, it spells the word ask. And what he's saying is, Come to your father in heaven and pray because he loves to give to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And you know what God is saying is, I, I know your heart and I love to give good things, but God says, I'm never going to say yes to something that's, that's not good. In fact, you know, the Christian or the, uh, the country singer Garth Brooks, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's a great country singer. And he, he wrote a song called Unanswered Prayers. And in it, he said this, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now, what I want to say to you is Jesus is saying in the verse we just read, God is always going to answer prayer. It's not that prayer goes unanswered. It's just sometimes his answer is no. In fact, you know, there's really, there's four possible answers for prayer. Yes, no, 
wait and you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm convinced sometimes God hears the things we ask for and he says, you, you got to be kidding me. I remember one time in the early days of our church, after the service, a guy came up to me and he said, hey, uh, Pastor Steve, I want to just ask if you'd pray for me. I said, okay. I love doing that. And, and he said, well, he said, I've met this woman at work and I've fallen in love with her and she's married. I want to, I want to, just ask if, would you pray that she would leave her husband and be able to marry me? And I had to say, dude, I'm, I'm not even going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. I mean, that's one of those, you've got to be kidding me kind of moments. But I said, but I, I know what her love represents to your heart. And I know God cares about your heart. And so let's pray about his will for your life and who you'd find and who you would fall in love with. But I, I want to just say to you that prayer is all about aligning ourselves with God's willingness to be good and give us the things that we need. And you know, just a few weeks ago in a message about waiting on God, I mentioned that there are, there are four ways in which God always answers prayer. Let me just remind you of these real quickly. They're coming up on the screen. And uh, I, I know we just talked about this. First of all, when the idea is not right, God's answer is going to be no, because God in his goodness is always wise and is not going to say yes to something that he knows is not going to be good and right and against his will. When the idea is not right, God says no. When the time's not right, God says slow. Sometimes God says, you know, I'd love to do that for you, but I don't think you're ready for that yet. And, you know, it may ruin you. Or you may mess it up for me to try to do it right now. And so let's wait. In fact, the third thing is when I'm not right, God's answer is grow. God says, I need you to grow up. There are some things that I want to put in your life to help you to be able to enjoy what I want to bless. In fact, I've been storing up blessings for you. I'm ready to give them. But you've got to grow to receive those. And when everything's right, God says grow. And God says go. He says, I want to do this. And Jesus said, if you love giving good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give to you? Here's the last thing I want to say. This is the essence of what prayer is, and that is he'll keep on welcoming me into himself forever. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this with prayer, but prayer is connecting and communing with God himself. It's not you trying to get your will done in heaven with your prayers. It's about getting God's ways and his purposes and his life done on earth through our praying. And when we come to him and connect, in fact, this is why Jesus prayed. Why sometimes he'd go off and he'd spend all night in prayer because he wanted to commune with the Father he realized that prayer wasn't necessarily getting things done, but it was connecting with the life of the Father and drinking from his power and his goodness and his love. And I want to say to you, Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to tell you that because God's goodness is going to be after you for the whole rest of your life, prayer is where you and I stop and we understand who we're talking to. And we say, Father, you're good. And I want your good things and your goodness in my life. In fact, I want to tell you that some years ago, 
I learned something in, in a, a seminar I attended called The Hour That Changes the World. And uh, in fact, it's a little plan of how, uh, how you can spend an hour in prayer by following 12 steps just for about five minutes. And it'll, it'll help you spend an hour in prayer. And one of those important steps is the step of just waiting, where you basically just say, you know, God, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just here in your presence because I want you to know that I love you. I need you. I want you. But I'm here because of you, Lord. I'm just here to be in your presence. You know, that's what prayer is. And when we start to realize who it is we're talking to, we're going to be drawn to do more and more of that. In fact, I want to say to you, God, you're going to keep, you're going to keep experiencing God welcoming you into himself forever because he says, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord forever. God's plan is to bring you to heaven and heaven isn't just a great place of prosperity. It's not the ultimate comfort zone. It's not a place that's an indescribable place of beauty. I mean, it is all those things, but the thing about heaven is it's being with him. And that's why God is trying to shape and develop our hearts now in prayer to be spending with him. So I want to invite you to this last verse that you see if you've printed off your notes. I want to keep encouraging you to be doing this this week. Psalm 119, 37 to 40. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Renew my life with your goodness. And prayer is how we do it. And for some of us this week, maybe there's a need for us to take our eyes off of some worthless things. You know, spending less time on cable TV, spending less time with cable TV news. Some of you, it'd be a good thing for you for the next 40 days to just stop watching cable news. Your life will be so much happier. And believe me, the ship won't sail without you. 40 days from now, they're still going to be talking about the same stuff and getting your eyes off of things of turmoil and things of danger and getting them on the Lord and saying, God, reassure me with who you are. And so I'm going to ask you to say what the disciples said to Jesus. Lord, teach me to pray. Now, you know what's interesting? They didn't say, teach me how to be a great teacher like you are. Teach me how to be a wonderful communicator. They didn't say, teach me how to do all the cool miracles. Teach me how to drive out demons. When they looked at the life of Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And we'll do that more when we realize who we're talking to. Now, you may be listening to me right now. And perhaps you've never called on the Lord in prayer. I mean, from the heart and from the depths of who you are to say, God, I need you in my life. God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my life and reorient everything around you? Help me to know who you are and to live for you. And I want you to, to invite you to do that in this moment before we slip away and, and just say, God, I want you to be God in my life. Would you say that to him? It'll change everything. Lord, help us all to take hold of your goodness and who you are. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you that we haven't exaggerated a thing today about you, but only what you've revealed to us in your word. 
and we love you. And we want to live for you in Christ's name. Amen.